0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is another in a series of podcasts of Money Talks and Bullshit Walks, Philadelphia from 1980 to the present. So I'm here with my friend and trusted legal advisor, even though he's not a lawyer. Thank you. And uh, program director Joe Willard. So we're going to start in 1981 um, and try and work our th- ourselves through that year uh, by 1981 uh, it became clear that the legacy of Frank Rizzo uh, as his eight years as mayor and God knows how many years as the police commissioner uh, prior to becoming mayor was simply not going to go away mm-hmm. with a wave of the hand and um, The public schools were uh, not only broke, they were broken, and, of course, 25% of the citizens were so poor they couldn't pay attention.
1: That was almost clever. Green was mayor. What happened with him?
0: Uh, Well, the perception that his election would help unify the city, uh, which was badly split culturally politically and fundamentally, in most aspects, didn't go away when Green took the oath. Why not? Well... As I may have mentioned earlier, it still bears repeating, the city was in desperate financials times. Uh, the situation made it nearly impossible for Green to put forth any of his plans because he had campaigned on, uh, because they just didn't have any money. And the administration, led by Green, uh, had to find a way out of the financial uh, mess and keep the city from declaring bankruptcy.
1: Well, New York did, right?
0: Yeah, I remember. Uh, Well, when New York asked for help from the
1: federal government, I think it was President Ford said words to the effect of go to hell."
0: Yeah, that was in the 70s, around the time Lake Erie caught on fire.
1: Yeah, fun times in the 70s. Yeah, Pete, Lake Erie, that was what?
0: 69. So we're, we're getting way back. But back to Bill Green in 1981. Uh, so, Green was trying to find ways to balance the budget. You know, by law, the city has to have a balanced budget each year. And so, Green was forced to uh, almost immediately and forced himself into a confrontation with the people who helped him get elected, uh, which in a large part were the city unions. And uh, almost immediately he began to fight with the city unions and the teachers' union over uh, cuts to the budget, which he had uh, proposed. And and the, and the cuts were pretty dramatic, uh, but they, again, were used to balance the budget. Um, on top of this, uh, almost immediately there was a strike, a teacher strike, which lasted 21 days. And Green demanded that the school board fire 3,500 employees of the school district.
1: Nice guy. Didn't he want to do something more?
0: Well, yeah, prior to Green taking office, there had been a new contract between the city and the teachers union, and Green wanted the teachers to give up the pay raises that had been previously negotiated. Things got so bad, uh, they were talking about a general strike, and that was almost called.
1: Yeah, they do that uh, in Europe all the time.
0: Yeah, well, that's your. I will leave that alone. Um, it, by all accounts, Green was a good politician, but I don't think he ever had to govern anything more than the 33rd Ward. So, as I like to say, it's one thing to run, it's another to rule. Catchy. Uh, in 1981, another Thing was sort of bubbling up, and that was a group of young black politicians who uh, began to rise in uh, in sort of a, a fashion that, that people began to take them seriously, and they 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 wanted to assert themselves in the political uh, world. Uh, remember, eighty-one Philadelphia, the city had never had a black mayor, and the young black political class had never had much of a chance to have their ideas be given given a hearing, so to speak, uh, about their ideas or programs that they wanted to see put in into action. Uh, Green, in fact, had won the Democratic Party uh, nomination for mayor. Uh, he beat a guy by the name of Charlie Bowser, Charles Bowser.
1: I think I voted for Charlie Bowser.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Were you old enough to vote in 1981?
1: This is Philadelphia, isn't it? Yeah, so how many yeah, times I'm did sure. you vote? <laughs> I'm sure I did.
0: <laughs> anyway, Bauer, Bowser uh, is someone uh, that most people have largely forgotten. In 75, which of course is prior to this, he had run as a third-party candidate for mayor against Rizzo, and the name of that party was the Philadelphia Party. Isn't that so long? Uh, well, Philadelphia Freedom. Anyway, uh, Charlie Bowser, he was a forerunner for the rising black political class in 1981.
1: Well, who were these people? Uh, Anthony Williams, right?
0: Well, no. Tony uh, his, Tony was Tony, or is Tony, but his father, Hardy Williams, he was a state representative from West Philly, and he was trying, he was not trying, he was asserting himself. Um, another individual from West Philly was, uh, and he became a councilman and later a, uh, a, uh, a congressman, uh, was a guy by the name of Lucian Blackwell. And I believe Lucian was the ward leader for the 46th ward, uh, which constitute, constitute one of the three major wards that had people who belonged to the rising black class or political class. Another, uh, power and power rising force was a woman named Falaka Fatah, or Sister Fatah. Fatah was, she was one of the earliest activists in, in youth violence. She had a son named Chaka uh, Fatah, and he became a state rep, and uh, later on, as he progressed through um, the, the legislative world or political world. Uh, he was a member of the United States Congress for five terms, which roughly 10 years. Uh, that was until recently. And he was a congressman and he was indicted by the feds and convicted on charges, I think, of bribery. Anyway, he got 10 years.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty long sentence for bribery.
0: Yeah, it is. But that's what happens when you take a trial. Uh, oh yeah, I, I forgot to mention, uh, Chaka's son, who I think is the third, but everyone knows him as Chip, he got a two-year sentence for some sort of scheme that had nothing to do with his father's uh, bribery conviction.
1: Peter, you uh, keep digressing. What in the world does any of this crap have to do with the rising black politicians in 81? Nothing except
0: for Chaka Fatah. got his start in government as a young employee in the city of Philadelphia's Commerce Department under... Drum roll, please, Bill Green.
1: Is this an episode of Finding Your Roots?
0: Uh, uh, So to put it all in context, the rising political class, we have to look at the rising class in basically three separate areas in Philadelphia. Uh, There was Northwest Philly, which is Mount Airy, which you sit in right now, Oak Lane, Germantown. and uh, their, their I guess, leader or the, their main person who ran was uh, Bill Gray III. Um, Bill's father was a well-respected pastor, and uh, Congressman Gray, uh, uh, he
1: was the pastor there, right? He,
0: no, he, he was a well-respected pastor, mm-hmm. and Gray also was a pastor at Bright Hope Baptist Church. Uh, which really sort of constituted his political base, which was more towards North Philly, but it, it sort of he sort of spread out into that. But Gray's uh, Philadelphia office manager was a woman by the name of Marion Tasco. Uh, Jerry Mondesire, who was sort of Gray's top strategist, uh, Mondesire uh, he went on to become the president of the local NAACP. Uh, uh, he, along with a man named Sam Katz, yes, that's Sam Katz, we'll get to him, uh, just threw Katz's name out there, he got your attention. Oh, yeah, full disclosure, I was a member of Gray's original Washington office. Uh, both Gray and Mondesire, of course, uh, have passed away, but uh, they left a legacy and, uh, of other people who... Uh, became elected uh, to various uh, offices in the city, mo- mostly city council, but some for city, city rep. Uh, in Northville, the main uh, person in, who was, can be seen as rising was their district councilman, John Street. You know, I'm, I'm listing all these people, but it, it's not a complete list. Uh, But I I hope that this is giving people an idea of the high-profile members in this uh, early black uh, political class um, that was emerging in 81. Um, Each of the groups, uh, interestingly enough, agreed with what constituted the largest problems facing the city. And solutions.
1: And on that note, let's take a short break.
0: All right. we'll be back. Okay.
1: Okay, we're back here. Hey, this is Joe. Well, uh, Pete, um, if they more or less agreed on the major issues, which I gather to be poverty in schools and a more representative government, why were they at war with each other?
0: power, who was going to rule the city. It was quite clear that these people were going to move into position of power, carrying the voices of, at least initially, the voices of their constituents. But who came out on top? Well, I would say initially the Northwest gang, with Gray and George Burrell, who would have become a city councilman, and uh, Baron Tasco and Jerry Montesire. Um But over the course of time, uh, each group or section of the city uh, got to be leaders of the city. Uh, As an aside, I would say, without fear of contradiction, that about 75 percent of uh, the elected judges, municipal court and or common police court from 1981 through today, owe their elections to individuals or their protégés who made up the rising black political Class of the early '80s, uh, and we're going to just choose 1981 as a, uh, a jumping off jumping off point.
1: Mm-hmm. Where does uh, Wilson Good fit in? Um, you didn't mention him or his association with these groups.
0: Well, Good sort of came uh, from not the political world. He was serving as the chairman of the Public Utilities Commission. Um, and Green hired him to be the managing director. Uh, after he became the Democratic nominee for mayor, Green began to receive pressure from most of the politicians we've been discussing and some others um, uh, to name a Black managing director for the city, which the city had never had uh, a Black managing director. So it was good who got the job. And I would say, uh, he was a known quantity, but not strongly aligned with any of the groups we've been talking about. Uh, in 84, uh, Green had had enough and did not run for election. Uh, and Good ran and ultimately became the first black mayor. And believe me, we will talk a great deal about Good's two, year, two terms as mayor. Okay, so um, who's who now and where did they
1: come from? I mean... I've heard plenty of the names thrown out in conversation. Just give a quick run through. Um, you know, that's you.
0: Oh uh, well, as you know, there have been and are plenty of black politicians that have made their made their you know they made their own way without being really uh, terribly involved with uh, the factions that we've sort of divvied up. Uh, again, Gray's Northwest Group began now, Congressman Dwight Evans, Councilwoman Marion Tasco, which and she had a huge impact on the voters in Oak Lane and uh, Germantown in the Northwest. And she begat Councilwomen Cindy Bass and Sherelle Parker. Uh, John Street was uh, had his uh, coalition as well, and Um, I would say he begat uh, president of council Darrell Clark, among others. And we briefly spoke about Hardy Williams, and he literally begat his son, Anthony Tony Williams, who's a state senator and a former candidate for mayor. Um, He lost to uh, Jim Kenney back in the uh, primary of, let's see, uh, 2005. No, no, no. he uh, got real life at sixteen. No, 17. Oh, no, he, he was real. Yeah, eighteen. 19. He just got real life at nineteen. Yeah. So twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. There's a lot of math going on here, and and it's math. probably wrong. But you know, you can you know, it's a take home test. Um, anyway, uh, Tony lost um, to Jim Kenny, and uh, I think Lucian Blackwell. Uh, prior to his death had become a, uh, a uh, congressman from West Philly uh, for what, uh, in essence, was Gray's old congressional seat. Anyway, he begat uh, his wife, Janie Blackwell, who we may have mentioned earlier, uh, and he talked about judges being elected. Um, and she was a prime mover in the election of many judges in this city. Um, so do you have time for an urban legend? Uh, uh, sure, the ghost.
1: Yeah, we got time.
0: All right, uh, the, the legend has Janie uh, at her best on election day or just prior to it. Uh, are you familiar with the term wham?
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's, that's actually a Scottish band, isn't
0: it? Scottish brand, Irish, whatever. It was, they're from across the pond.
1: That uh, definitely. It
0: is, we are talking on. Uh, I might point out on St. Patrick's Day.
1: That's right. And so you came here
0: sober.
1: I did. Not a drop. Wow. These are dark times.
0: They uh, are. How's Brexit going?
1: Brexit. Oh uh, yeah, it's just wonderful.
0: Um. All right. Joe. Uh, how about the term "street money"? Can you sort of give us a shorthand for that? Uh, if I
1: remember right, that's what committee people get on the day of election to work
0: the polls. To pay for coffee and Co- donuts. donuts. Donuts are expensive. And, and, and pizza for lunch. And pizza for lunch. And where does that money come from in general? I have no idea, Pete. I, okay. And I don't want to know. All right. But it would, could, uh, at the end, come from your ward leader. Maybe if I knew who that was. Well, we won't get into that. Thank God for that. Uh, but a quick story uh, involving WHAM, which is walking around money, for uh, for those who you don't who don't know, or street money. Anyway, uh, the legend has it that to get uh, Janie Blackwell's support on election day, a candidate would make a contribution uh, to the forty-sixth Ward Democratic Committee, uh, since it's Janie. Uh, mm-hmm. She was the ward leader of the of the 46th ward, um, I think she still is, but we can check that. Uh, and in exchange uh, for the contributions, which, as Joe alluded to, that's how they would pay their workers and food and things like that. Uh, Janie would put the your name being the council uh, being the uh, candidate for either municipal court or uh, common pleas court on a sample ballot, uh, which the committeemen would give to voters on their way to, on their way in to vote. That's you know, typical, hard-earned, tough way to, to get people to vote for your com- candidate. Political
1: education, right? They're educating yeah. the voters.
0: Exactly. So the sample ballot, particularly the ones that endorsed candidates for judge, That was important because the candidates for judges, candidates for judges, as a matter of fact, in Pennsylvania, not just Philly, are are basically prohibited from advertising their candidacy. Uh, And that's resulting because people uh, at higher levels believe that if judges are going to be elected, they shouldn't be able to walk Mm -hmm. around and say, they think this law is good or that law is bad and they would overturn this law, they're supposed to be uh, neutral like an umpire calling balls and strikes. So with that in mind, judicial candidates cannot campaign uh, very much other than to get their name out. Um, so this money from the judicial candidates uh, is pretty big uh, and because most people don't know who these candidates are and So, in return for the endorsement, uh, the candidates would make a contribution to the ward, as I explained, Uh, and Blackwell would put the candidate's name on the sample ballot, uh, and and the street money was also used partially to pay for the cost of printing the ballots.
1: Because you better have a union bug on those ballots.
0: Exactly. Better. Better say who paid for it. And for uh, uh, those sorts of things... um, well, if Janie sort of liked you, uh, she would put you on her sample ballot from seven to 12, or the sample ballot her people handed out between noon and five, or the same ballot her people handed out from five to the close of the polls. And each of these names could be sort of rotating uh, depending on the hour uh, or the, the hours that um they were passed out so uh to give an explanation joe willard and peter burson are on the seven o'clock uh to seven o'clock to to noon ballot and then all of a sudden things around noon change and then we get matt burson and amon willard on the next ballot and then on the third ballot uh then we get uh, uh rita rita and uh sharon as uh, as the persons that uh, Janie is employed. So you can see she's wandering through all these things. And, of course, if she finds somebody that she likes and has made the appropriate contributions, which is important, then that person stays on all three ballots. Uh, and that's the way it works. So what happens to the,
1: ballot, the candidate who's only appearing on one ballot? They lose, they win.
0: Well, it depends. I mean, it depends on what they're doing in the other wards. Hmm. I mean, Janie is one of 66, and she probably has strong influence in the West Philadelphia wards, like the 52nd. Uh, and I think it's the third ward that's out there as well. Uh, I think the third is uh, Tony Williams' ward. Am I wrong?
1: I think this is the math episode here. You're throwing a lot of numbers out there, buddy. I,
0: I, I, that usually confuses people.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man, i uh, getting kind of tired of playing uh, Find Your Roots. Well, what else was going on when Green was mayor from 82 to 84?
0: Uh, well, uh, they filmed a movie here. Uh, it was Dressed to Kill. Uh, actually, that was 80, but they filmed it here anyway. Who's was in that? Uh, I think Michael Caine and... Angie Dickinson. Remember Angie, her? Oh, yes. That's that's, that's, that's
1: yeah. Police a woman. But I was trying to think what's the TV show, yeah. right? The police woman.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they filmed that. Michael
1: Caine. Uh, geez, he's still living and making movies. Is he? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, maybe we'll have him on as a guest. Huh. Uh, anyway, uh, th- they used the art museum uh, backdrop in that movie. Uh, and I'm getting sick of looking at movies with the art museum. I don't know about you. It's an icon. It is an it's icon. icon. It's it's the uh, French Riviera or something of, this, of Philadelphia. And anyway, um, another movie uh, from Philly in 81 was Blowout. And that was with uh, John Travolta and John Lithgow. Staying Alive. Yep. Yeah. Well, this is, I don't know. I guess this was after. Staying Alive was, wasn't that in the 70s?
1: Disco time. I, I, yeah, I think it was in the seventies. Yeah, hopefully, punk killed that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess it did. But you know that that uh, you know that had the Bee Gees, and that was that was seventies all over. Anyway, yeah, um, that was filmed all, all over the place. Really, they filmed it on at 30th Street. I don't think they filmed it inside, but I think they filmed it on the bridge, that 30th Street Bridge. Um, and they filmed some of it at Penn's Landing at the Seaport Museum. Have you ever been to that? the seaport museum nobody
1: ever goes there it's too expensive
0: oh i never been there yeah, uh, now expensive. i know why yeah sports what's happened in sports uh well it was sort of a good and bad year um the eagles made the playoffs and they lost to drumroll please the cowboys drum and, and so people want to know about our love affair with dallas well i you mm-hmm. know it goes back a little further but you can really put it into 80 81 is when we really cemented our total hatred of of the Dallas franchise. Baseball, uh, there was a strike um, halfway through the season that lasted. Yeah, halfway, I would say. Was that 80, 82? Yeah. When was that? I thought it was 81. Wow. We're talking about 81. 81. Maybe it was 82. 81. Anyway, it's got to be 81 now. Uh, uh, In fact, the owners uh, tried to bring in replacement players. Uh, I think scabs is what they would call. Uh, Need I say more? Uh, Phillies didn't make the World Series, so they didn't repeat, but they were still managed by Dallas Green. um, And his name was Mount St. Dallas. And um, Dallas Green was old school. He was not afraid to tell a player in a loud and graphic terms in front of all his teammates his thought on one thing or another.
1: Yeah, he, he would be a manager in today's sports. Uh, be, uh, no, he's, he's no
0: Gabe Kapler. Let's That's just put sure. it that way. <laughs> um, and, of course, the Sixers lost to the Celtics mm-hmm. in seven Ugh. the seven. Uh, they, I'm sure Joe remembers. Uh, they yeah, blew three <laughs> games to one lead. Um Not us, but a lot of other people call that series one of the best of all time. Not us, that's for sure. And again, this is where these hated rivals... Well, maybe we hated the Celtics a little bit before that, but 81 was sort of a year where it all came uh, to a a head, so to
1: speak. You know, losing to the Celtics and the Cowboys in the playoffs in the same year. I don't know. I like soccer. Didn't we have a soccer team back then?
0: Yeah, the Adams, but that was in the 70s. They went bankrupt, just like the rest of us. So that ends another great moment in the money talks and bullshit walks. Philadelphia from 1980 to present. Thanks for joining us.